He texted me saying he didn't feel the spark, mm-hmm. and thus we didn't go out again. And that's why you should send him a copy of F the Fairy Tale. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have I have a second one since I went to that event of yours. So maybe maybe I'll just I'll just slide like, it in there. Totally understand. Here you go. This is what Demona Here. Hoffman says about the spark. <laughs> Welcome back, listeners, to Finding Mr. Height, the podcast. I am your co-host, Erica Spera. And I'm Allie Jackson. And we are fresh off our NYC live show. And I am still on cloud nine. I am flying high. You are wearing the shirt that I was wearing at the live show, (laughs) one of our new pieces of merch that maybe by the time this goes live, I will have figured out how to get an e-commerce site up and running. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we have some merch left over from the live show. So if you saw our cute little new shirts and sweatshirts, they're going to be available for you guys if you'd like to get one. So Yes. But shout out to the crowd that came out. You guys oh my God. helped make the show so fun. And I was so excited to see everyone, meet everyone. Like My energy is still at like a 10 just from Saturday. I was, I literally was saying at the after party... That to me, that was my favorite part. Obviously, I loved being on stage with you and like interacting with the crowd, but like getting to talk one on one or like in small groups with so many listeners afterwards. I said to a lot of people, my adrenaline is at eleven. Like I was just like, this is incredible. the The vibe is amazing. There were people at the show that had met at the previous show and came to this one together. People who didn't know each other before that were hanging out. I just, I could gush forever. It was amazing. Yeah. If you're one of those people that have emailed us being like, how do I make friends as an adult? Well, you listen to this podcast, come to a live podcast. All right. We're introducing everybody to everybody. Also, there are a few girls that brought some single guys. Brilliant. They were like, I have some guy friends. Like, where can I meet women? They're like, come to this podcast. I have a bunch of women in the crowd. I ended up having a couple guy friends who came, not as many as I messaged about it, where I kept, especially like, I'm like, all right, you know, you, I think a lot of them misunderstood what the show was going to be. Like yes, a lot yes, of them yes, thought yes. that it was a panel discussion. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's much, no. More, much more fun. Come it's on. fun. But yeah, I'm like, you, you're trying to meet women, you know, a nice, good guy. Bring them to the show. Or honestly, come alone. You're going to meet people. All right. That's what yes. I love about everyone that comes to these. It's like they're out. They want to socialize. They want to meet everybody. It was great. It was so great. And I, I just want to thank everyone again for coming. And if you're in D.C., we're also coming to DC. We're going to do a whole new show and it's different every time. So you got to come out DC, March 21st, mark your calendars. Thursday, March 21st. There is a very good chance my mom is going to be there. Your mom was at this past show. <laughs> Pretty sure my mom is going to be at this one. Yeah. See, even, even my mom wanted to get in on the action. She's like, I want to come. I want to see the live pod. I, I want to see what you guys do up there. See, bring yeah. your mom. <laughs> there was another bring mom. Your mom. Else there was a mom. mom. I yeah. actually met at the after party. I met a mom that was there with her two daughters. Yeah. Bring your mom. All right. It's fun for the whole family. <laughs> not that the show is clean. I will say it's not. The show's not clean. clean. No, it's just, not just a clean to be show. super clear. If your family's okay with dirty jokes, it's fun yeah, for yeah, the whole yeah. family. <laughs> There'll be a little bit of dirty jokes. All right? I'm not saying it's fun for the whole family. I'm just saying like, listen, if your mom's like, I'm down to go, bring your mom. All right. Have a nice little night out. Come on. Come hang out. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to get her to come. It's my birthday that upcoming weekend right after that. So I'm trying to get her to come to the DC live show and then we'll go back to New York and hang out for my birthday. So fingers crossed. Yeah, that's perfect. Perfect timing. So I've talked a little bit on the pod about how I've been trying to extend my damp January into, into future months. 
And I have really been enjoying recess mocktails as a way to have what feels like a fancy drink at home, but without the alcohol. Yeah. And also, it's nice to have something in your fridge that just has a little bit of flavor. Totally. And they're they're delicious. They're made with real fruit, sweetened with agave, and again, 0% alcohol. So just a nice, nice little flavorful drink. That is a little little play on our favorites here. They got a bunch of great flavors. My personal favorite is the Recess Watermelon Mojito. I actually like to garnish it like it's a actual cocktail. Like I put it in a coupe glass, feel it all fancy, garnish it with a little sprig of mint. It is delicious. And my favorite is the Recess Ginger Lime Mule. I'm a ginger gal. And what I love also, not too sweet. Perfect amount of just a little little sweet treat. They're absolutely delicious, and you can get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash FMH, so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. Um, so we have a handful of updates to get to. Um, before we get to your your update, because you're, you're glowing a little bit uh, from a second date over there. I can see it. <laughs> I can see it right through, right through my screen. If you're not watching the Patreon video, i got to get it on there. Um, I, I really want to give you a big kudos today. We recorded with Demona Hoffman, fantastic interview, and we ended up getting talking about race and dating. And I know it's something you've wanted to talk about on this pod, but obviously it's not easy to talk about for many different reasons. And I want to give you a big shout out for opening up and talking about a few things that related to yourself. I was really proud of you today when we were recording with Demona. I just, oh, honestly, it was great. Because since I joined this pod, you were like, I want to start talking about this. And here we are doing it. And I just want to say I love you. And um, I was it was really cool to see you talk about that stuff today. Oh, I'm going to cry. Thank you. <laughs> no, really. Because I, I know you've wanted to. I know it's very hard. And, you know, obviously I'm white. So maybe I'm not the best person for you to talk to about it all the time. <laughs> you know, like I, I, I'm here for you, girl. I'm here to listen. But, um, you know, I just I was really proud. I know it's I know it's something that gives you a lot of anxiety, too. So it was I was so happy we got her on and. It was, it was great. It was really great. Definitely. Well, it's a highlight I, episode for me, for sure. I, I appreciate you. And it's a good precursor into also for just creating the safe space where I feel like I can talk about it. Precursor into our full race and dating episode that is coming up. But shout out to Demona, not only for that piece of the conversation, but just a highlight episode for me too. Front to back. She is a pro. She is amazing. Yeah. She's clearly been in the game a long time. And like we said in the episode, she's one of the only people that has even touched on race and dating in her book. So shout out to her, too, for finally putting it out there. You know? Yeah. She's she's awesome. I can't wait for the listeners to hear the interview portion of the episode. I think just I already want her to come back. There's so much more to unpack. Like if and if you haven't yet read her book, F the Fairy Tale, it it just came out. So no judgment if you (laughs) if you haven't yet. But you should get it. It's incredible. You should get it. You should. So now. We got to we got to hear we got to hear about the second date, okay? Cuz I went on a good You are date. a little little <laughs> giddy little girl over there. <laughs> um yes, I went on a second date with Pie Guy who breaking news, we have decided after the live show for reasons that will remain on the Patreon that he is going to be referred to as Dr. Laundry going forward. Dr. Laundry. Yeah. Also somewhat we requested like- by him, by the way. Great point. So, so I'll get I'll get into it. So, as we I talked about last week, he asked for the second date immediately. Like I I already had the second date on the books when I got home from my first date with him. Love it, which we love. And it was though almost a full week after our first date, my own fault due to my schedule. 
So we were supposed to go out on a Friday night. I was in the office that night. We didn't, we had a plan. We were going to get noodles, but not a, neither a time nor a place. I had actually asked him, he had asked if I was comfortable going into the city or not comfortable, but like, if that was cool for me, he knows I live in Brooklyn. I said, yeah, I'm actually going to be in the office. I had asked if he could be a little flexible on timing because as you know, for our recording just now, I was like racing home. Like I just, it's a little bit up in the air what time I'm going to be done. He was like, yeah, no problem at all. We'll talk later today. This was at like 10 or 11. I then had a really, I asked him what time he was thinking, like what time he could be there, whatever, and where we were going. Um, I then had a crazy busy day. I didn't really realize that I had not heard back from him until I was pretty much preparing to leave. There was a little bit of a happy hour in the office. So I was at that. Texted him saying, hey, I'm wrapping up. You know, where are we meeting? What, you know, what time are you thinking? Didn't hear anything. I then did hear from him on my way home with a very, very valid reason. Yes, very valid. Why he had to reschedule, which is on the Patreon and was at the live show. I actually dropped it on you live at the live yeah. show. Mm-hmm. So sorry if I'm not reacting too much right now. I'm like, I, I have heard this part. <laughs> I have heard this There's part. There's an amazing, oh, we had an amazing photographer there, JT Anderson. He was incredible. And there's an amazing picture where your jaw is like on the floor. Yep. And I'm pretty sure that's the moment I told you what he what happened. It has to be. He caught it. Dead on. <laughs> he caught it. So regardless of the reason, it was a very valid reason that he that I hadn't heard from him all day. And he asked if we could reschedule for Sunday or another day. He asked about, about Saturday as well. I was like, mm, I have plans. I'm going to be on stage talking about this. Um, and so we rescheduled for Sunday. So we went out couple nights ago now, got noodles. Um, and it was really, really fun. Really fun. I love that. You yeah. were so giddy afterwards. It was, I was. We were well because so so we went to get noodles. It was fucking freezing out. So it was oh, yeah. the perfect activity to have this like hot bowl of noodles. Um and it was actually a great Sunday night date too because I think I mentioned this before that he doesn't drink. Oh, yes, you did. But not, not yeah. Sober January. That was the other person, right? That was the other person. He he never literally never has in his whole life. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, which I didn't know that until this past date. But so it was actually like a nice Sunday night date because there already wasn't really going to be any booze. We had like tea and ramen and it was so cozy. And I belly laughed so many times on this date. Belly mm-hmm. laughed. It's the best. Like, right? Like to the yeah. point where I was like, I actually got in my head, but then quickly got out of it again of like, oh, that was like really loud. <laughs> <laughs> like I just Aww. cackled at this man. I just like guffawed. Oh, <laughs> I love that though. Uh, it was great. Yeah. It was just like so fun. And like we were like ribbing each other a little bit and just just had a great time. And I – Hadn't told him about this p- podcast platform, et cetera, on our first date. I don't always on first dates. I do basically my my um, framework is like if it comes up naturally on a first date, I will I will force it on a second date. Mm. Like okay. by the second date, if I want to go out with him again, I I want him to know. Yeah, like would love to do this again. Love to see you again. Whatever. 
little lingering move at the end too if you're waiting for a little kiss oh no i mean telling him about the the platform oh i'm so sorry i misheard please come but i loved your little kiss i loved your little kissy face (laughs) i'm like sitting here being like did you kiss him i'm i'm barely listening i'm so sorry if you're watching the patreon video you could see a lovely little freeze frame of erica's kissy face come on come on i'll i'll get to that but um so i hadn't told him about my account the pot the podcast etc on the first date i brought it up he actually asked what i had done the night before and I was oh, like, well, well, funny you mention it. Well, I might have told a room of 120 people <laughs> about you. <laughs> about you. And I literally said that. I mean, I didn't – that's not the very first thing I said. But yeah, I was like, I had a show. And he was like, what do you mean? He's like, And then he's like, you're on stage? I was like, yeah, I was on stage. I showed him a, the, one of the pictures that one of my friends had taken. I was like, it was me on stage last night. And and then I was – I said to him, I was like, yeah, like, <laughs> thanks for the content. <laughs> Because our, our canceled date made for a great story. And that's when he suggested. So then he asked. I told him it was anonymous. I was like, you know, it's all – I was telling him about the whole thing. And I was like, it's totally anonymous. He actually was like, you could use my first, last name, and photo. I don't give a shit. Oh, okay. Confident, like, confident well, I, king over here. I won't be doing that, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and so I told him, he's like, so do you use – like, do I have a code name? Or No, he said, do I have a fake name? Mm, and I yeah. was like, no, no, you have a nickname. And he was like, what is it? And I said, it's Pie Guy. And he immediately laughed, like he knew immediately why it was Pie Guy. And he's like, no, I think you, I think there's a missed opportunity though. Like, and he then he was like suggesting other names, and that is how we've settled on Doctor Laundry. Doctor Laundry. I like a first and last name. It's good. Uh, yeah, Not, I, I, I like agree a with Mr. you. Or something like that. Yeah, Doctor Laundry. I like it. Um, he's been upgraded. He's been upgraded. He's now a doctor. He's, 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 he's a doctor. He's got an advanced degree. <laughs> um, so anyway, so great date. Talked a lot about this. And he actually – so he basically was like, oh, I'm going to listen. And oh, yeah. I asked, you can't not, I asked you him know? not. I asked him not to. Oh. And the reason is because – and I explained this to him. I was like, the reason is because I feel like – we get into this with Demona a little bit actually. I feel like you will then have so much information about me, not just about me and you, but just about me that feels like it's too much too soon. Yeah, very fair. And so we agreed to revisit it on our third date. <laughs> okay. All right. So he's not listening this week, but – we agreed to revisit on our first date because um, he was like, well, I could – he's like, I could find you. I'm like, oh, no, I know that easily. Yeah, I'm aware. You could find me You could find me easily. No. Mm-hmm. To our no. – as we've said before, no one's unfindable. No. Nobody is. No one. Nobody is untraceable as some people may say. No one's untraceable. No one is untraceable. <laughs> no. I, so I said – I was like, no, I don't doubt that. I'm not – this isn't a challenge. You could find me in the next 30 – not even 30 seconds, five seconds. I don't doubt that. Um, but it was great. And we just, again, we continue to hit it off. So we then, we were taking the same train in different directions. Mm-hmm. So we were walking down, like we walked to the train and I'm kind of wondering, we did not kiss after our first date. Right. So I was like, as discussed, um, we did not kiss after our first date. And I was like, oh, is, you know. I was like, is, it, is this going to happen now? We're in this like subway station. 
And we didn't again. He kissed me on the cheek. Oh, that's very sweet, though. It was really sweet. It was a very – he did it when he said hello as well. It was a very intentional yeah. cheek kiss. Does that make any sense? No, no, no. 100%. You're like, he wasn't yeah. trying to – it's like he knew. It's like, I'm going to go for the cheek. Yeah. There was like a linger, like a I am kissing your cheek. Like this is a, a moment. Um, Side and, question. Did you yes. only eat the ramen? Did you get dessert? We did not get dessert. Okay. This is my move. If I'm on a food uh-huh. date – and I do want to kiss them. I'm like, I got to get, like, I'm eating something like ramen. I'm like, I got to get, like, something else taste in my mouth to almost, like, especially you got a little, like, spice in there or something. Maybe it'll be you. Right? But I'm like, mm, I'll be like, let's, like, grab a little ice cream or, like, oh, what's the dessert menu? Or, like, suddenly That's I'll be like, let's all have a Diet Coke. Like, something to be like, I, I want to kiss this person, but I feel like I have ramen mouth. And I feel like a great move is just, like, add a little, add a little dessert in there or something, you know? I like that. Movie. I don't know. So, something that could possibly help. Anyway, not saying that's what like happened it. to this man, but it's a move. One of the move. that because he doesn't drink and I didn't really want to on that Sunday night anyway, but you know, I love a nightcap. My move in that scenario would typically be like, oh, like let's we can go in and grab a drink or like sit in a little cozy bar. That's tougher to do if you're not going to drink like the yeah. bars don't really appreciate that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unless you're just like, here's a 20. Uh, Give me a dime. Yeah. Yeah. Keep and it's change. freezing out. So we're not that. going to sit on a little bench or something cute, right? Like we need to be inside immediately. So all good thing to think about. I don't know yet what we're doing on our third date, but all good things to think about in terms of like vibe and setting. Um, so we said goodbye and then we were taking the same train in different directions and we were across the platform from each other, like flirt texting. Oh, wow, that's so cute. I love that. It, it was adorable. It was adorable. Yeah. You're beaming. Yeah. Beaming. Um, and that's when he said that he wanted to see me again and asked for this week, which I can't do. And I'm going on vacation this weekend, just a long weekend trip. Um, and so we're going to go out on Sunday again. So like one week after our second date will be our third date all right well i'm excited yeah i feel like this is the most excited i've seen you about somebody in in some time he's yeah he's different than a lot of guys that i've dated before like different background different like he grew up in the city but like he grew up in brooklyn like different he just he's lived a lot of different lives like he's done and by that i mean like had a lot of different types of jobs, done a lot of different things. He played sports. He it, just so many different aspects to him that are very different than people I've dated before and and interesting. But that's good, you know. Yeah. Try to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, totally. So, we shall see. Dr. Laundry uh makes it to a third date. Third date. First third date of the year, huh? The fir- it was also the first second date of the year. Yeah, we're uh, oh, look at that. We're on a we're, roll. We're doing well. We're doing well. So, you also had something come up at the live show that turned into a date. I did. Um, so a while back, I talked about how I had a listener reach out uh, to possibly set me up with a friend of theirs, and I did not know that the listener was also going to be at the live show. <laughs> Great surprise on her! <laughs> hat, shout out her to behalf. her. Shout out to her because she looked at a little hand raise and was like, basically pointed out she's like, um. You're going to go out with my friend this weekend? And I was like, okay, all right. Revealing my secrets. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, So yeah, it actually was a little bit last minute. He ended up being in town. So 
he doesn't live in New York full time. Right. I technically. Yeah. I was like, (laughs) I technically don't live in New York full time. So anyway, he hit me up like, hey, kind of last minute, but I'm actually going to be in town for the weekend. And, you know, I said, oh, we got the live show. I'm a little busy. I can do, you know, Sunday or Monday, whatever. And so then we ended up getting something on the books for the day after the live show. So shout out to all the people that were there giving me some good juju, being like, have so much fun on your day. Good luck. You know, great hype crowd. Right. Great hype crowd. So we ended up going out. Um, uh, One thing I really appreciate that was really nice was first he was coming in with a place, a plan, like super responsive. Love it. And he doesn't even live here. Yes. Doesn't even live here. Google Maps, hard. everybody. We could all use it. You know? It's not, not hard. hard. Not hard. Smart man. So, out the gate. <laughs> Smart man. Um, so, he hit me up. I was like, oh, let's get a drink. He found this cute, like, rooftop bar, obviously, inside. And I was like, oh, that looks really nice. I've never been there. And I also, this week, have started my fertility shots. Mm-hmm. And I thought I would have the flexibility to, like, do them in the morning. Turns out, certain shots you have to do at night. So... I said, oh, this place looks great. Um, You know, just a heads up. I do have to just be home by 10 o'clock. But, like, this is not far from where I'm staying. And, you know, I can't drink right now. But, like, I'll get a mocktail, Diet Coke. I'm good to go. Perfect. Yeah. And that was my way of being like, great plan. No problem. Just a heads up. I got to be home by 10. And he was like, oh, actually, want to do earlier? Get food instead? Since you can't drink. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. So I was like, oh. I, I just, I really like that. I was like, cause I, I yeah. I'm very easygoing, but it's like, oh, I appreciate just the little extra effort of like, oh, well, if you can't drink, very, then let's do something else. Very considerate. Not hard. Very considerate. Very nice. Um, so I ended up going out, meeting him and I had a really nice time. Very easy to talk to. Very nice guy. Really appreciate the setup. Um, interesting that like right away, we both kind of talked about how we don't fully live in New York because- I was curious. Um, he's a lawyer, so he recently passed the uh-huh. bar here. So now he practices here as well under oh. uh, whatever place he works. And so I said, like, oh, I'm curious, like, sounds like you have a lot of, like, friends or family here and you're here a lot. So is your plan to try to, like, move here? And as of right now, that's not, like, like his full-time plan. Ah, he said, I just, okay. I always love the city. I, like, love coming up here. And, you know, now that I also get to come up here for work on top of whenever I want to just come up here and see friends, like it's just kind of perfect. And like, that's where I'm at right now, which great, fair. Yeah. And then he asked me about my situation. So I filled him in too. I was like, yeah, I moved to LA and I keep having periods of time that I'm here for like a week or two. Um, just due to work. I try to stack it when I can. And also it is nice for me to, you know, still be able to like see my family here and there and things like that. And, you know, try to make it home for a wedding, a baby shower, whatever it is, if I can make work. So it was interesting that like, we did start the date with that conversation. Yeah. Which felt at the end, we both kind of did a little like, hmm. Huh. Kind of <laughs> like, hmm. So if we do want this to work, it is going to be a bit of a challenge, right? It's a commitment but immediately. It, it is a commitment immediately where you're like, okay, it's, you know, you don't want to put pressure on the date to be like sparky or like out of this world. But there is a little part of you that's like, all right, I I feel like we really got to like click on some level to be like, all right, now we're trying to schedule both being in New York or a different place and flights and, you know, like, and and I and I hate to say that because it, it feels kind of negative because I was like, I did have a really nice time and I think he's a really great person, um, but it's just hard 
to have that be such a big obstacle right out the gate. Yeah. That, that, and that is, it is legitimately a big obstacle that like you, you, somebody's getting on a plane for like your second date. Yeah. We're both getting on a plane. You probably, it's what it sounds like. We're both going to be back in New York, you know? And so I'm really happy I got to meet him. And, you know, unfortunately he left today. So Mm. I really didn't have time to go on a second date if that was to happen. Um, But yeah, as of right now, we both haven't like texted or reached out from that first date. And my read on it is I think that's what's kind of looming in both our minds is like, okay. Yeah. Like I, I really don't have anything bad to say whatsoever. I think perfectly great guy. Um, but just that's, that's really hard. So Uh, yeah, I think, I think think that makes absolute sense. Yeah. But I do, I do really appreciate someone looking out for me and throwing me a setup. More setups, please. It's so fun. Yeah. I honestly, I I really, I really do appreciate it. So shout out, shout out to you for hooking me up with a date. Uh, and, um, yeah, I, that's really that's really all I have to say for that one. So, yeah, I mean, we're now technically in the setup game ourselves because after last week's episode, <laughs> we've gotten, as expected, so many submissions from listeners who want to date Zach. I, I'm currently combing through them and figuring out the best way to to do this. <laughs> yeah, just we are sending him all your submissions. By the way, we're just trying yes. to, you know, be conscious of like privacy and not giving contact information, whatever, whatever. So exactly, thank you for reaching out. Um, I was going to say. Yes. I got a different uh, kind of a little bit of feedback from last week's episode, if you don't mind me sharing. All right. So there's, I guess, a moment in the episode. And I do remember this happening because it was about like exclusivity and sleeping with people. Uh Uh-huh. And he said something, I believe, about like, oh, well, I wouldn't be exclusive with someone like before we've had sex. And he's had maybe like women ask for that in the past. And I remember when it came up, I thought in my mind, like, I'm not about to get into again, like how I don't believe in the like exclusivity level. Like to me, that means boyfriend, girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Some people have it as a separate step. Some people don't. Right. So I was like, when he said that, you know, you and I both just were like fair, but I was like, I meant fair. Like that's his thing where he's like, Hey, oh, I, I don't, agree. I don't want to agree, you know, to exclusivity, sex, what? Like I was like, he's allowed right, to fair. do whatever he wants to do. Yeah. That's your thing. I'm not going to sit here and try to preach to you. Like, well, you should have, I'm like, and also my brain was like, I think he means boyfriend, girlfriend. I don't know. Keep the interview moving. So I got a little feedback that was kind of like, mm, I'm surprised you were like, that's fair and that's cool. And I'm like, listen, for anybody out there, this is up to you to decide what you yeah. want. But you know what I mean? Like I was like, I, well, I have had exclusivity convos with having sex with people. Also, because like, yeah, I have herpes. So I also have to reveal that to people, guys. Like <laughs> indirectly, a lot yeah. of times that causes some type of like, hey, are you sleeping with other people? Have you been tested? Yada, yada, yada. Also, this probably just comes from the fact that I know him and therefore I know that him not having sex with somebody before there's ex- before they're exclusive doesn't mean he's not having I mean safety conversations like you said, right? Like I think right, those are yeah. two different things. Yeah. And look, I was like it's one of those things just to anyone listening it's like listen, when people are a guest on this show, they still are a guest. That it's like we do disagree with guests sometimes, but sometimes it's like look I'm not going to nitpick everything somebody says on the show. All right. Like I appreciate people coming on, giving us their time, giving us their perspective. Sometimes we agree. Sometimes we don't agree, but the whole exclusivity sex thing, I got a few messages and I just was like, guys, I wasn't saying that's what everyone should do or that I agree with whatever he's doing in his life. You know? Yeah. I mean, I agree with it to the extent that he can do whatever he wants. Right. That's, that's but what like, I'm saying. Wouldn't I wouldn't approach like, it. 
that way myself necessarily. So yeah, exactly. Right. So, and for me, I'm like, exclusivity isn't a existing title. I've done that when I was younger. I'm like, I don't, I don't do that anymore. I'm not like, we're exclusive, but I'm not his girlfriend yet. And yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So because anyway. I, I do agree. I, I personally don't really want to be somebody's girlfriend before we've had sex. That feels tough. Yeah. And that's fair for you to say. That's yeah. what you want to do. And then there's other people that feel differently. And I'm like, feel how you feel. That's, fair. that's fine for them. Do what you want with all that stuff. That's up to yeah. you. So. Because I was like, well, if you've been listening to the pod, I have not had sex in a minute. So I'm like, we're, we're the last people I can point to. I'm like, the last couple of people that I was dating and ended up sleeping with, I ended up having some type of exclusivity combo of like, hey, are you sleeping with other people? Like, I'm currently not, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to after we start sleeping together, all that kind of stuff. So I was kind of like, yeah, I got that feedback. And I was like, oh, guys. It's just been a while since I've been in this situation for that conversation. <laughs> I just don't know how okay. I would handle it because I haven't had to handle it in quite a while. <laughs> I haven't had to handle it in a minute. All right. So it wasn't, wasn't really fresh on my brain. <laughs> um, well, we do have one other update from a listener. Somebody from oh. our 11th Hot Topics episode emailed us in an update. Oh, my God. Yes. Which one? Yeah. So the second question that we answered on the 11 Hot Topics one, 11th Hot Topics one, which was episode 151, was about a listener wrote in wondering like how to tell if she's experiencing the slow burn or if she's just not attracted to somebody. She was writing in about a specific guy, but like also just asking more generally. So she says, I didn't end up going on another date with the guy I wrote in about. What happened was that I had a first date scheduled for like a day or two later and that date felt super different. It was more fun, more comfortable. We were just more on the same wavelength. We didn't actually kiss on that first date, but I had a really fun time. And so while texting and then on a second date with that guy number two, I was really paying attention to make sure that my interest and my excitement wasn't anxiety sparks. And I don't think it was. I was just genuinely wanting to get to know him. So then I had to ask myself, what was the difference with the dates with guy one and guy two? And what I realized was that with guy one, I had thought, yeah, that was nice. I could give him another date and see what happens. And with guy two, my thoughts were, yeah, that was really fun. I would very much like to do that again and see what happens. And I know the difference could seem small, but it made me realize that it actually wasn't a slow burn with guy one. He's great, but he just wasn't my guy. I ended up dating guy two for about two months and he was absolutely wonderful. It just came down to a couple things that were outside of both our control. Wait, you forgot the last line, but I agree with what you both said. So here's to more making out in 2024. More kissing, less crying. More kissing. I will say, I think these fertility meds are making me horny as shit. Is anybody else experienced this? Oh my God. Like I was like, you know, on the Patreon, I was like, man, I got like some real, some real pep. I'm like, you know, I'm like being a little flirt queen over here. And I'm like, is it? Is it the drugs? Is it the drugs I'm on? <laughs> That's amazing. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to make that you. about me, but I was like, damn. I think there's something, something to these meds. I thought I was going to feel like bloated and sad and like, me, I don't have a baby. And now I'm like, who wants to make a baby? We can make a baby. <laughs> I'm ready, one. actually, quite literally. Yeah, actually, stay away from me. I'm very, very fertile. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, can I say this? Yes. I do love that we got this update. I don't know if I agree with her that her first guy wasn't her slow burn. Mm, tell me more. What she basically gave us was she was feeling one guy a little more than the other, ended up just pursuing the one opportunity. And it led yeah. to, you know, dating a couple months, success. Happy for you. I'm not saying that's wrong. But 
you didn't give the first one a chance to slow burn. One date sure. isn't a real chance to see if it is the slow burn. I 100% get what she's saying, where she was like, I had some excitement on guy number two to see him again. The first guy I felt like, I'd see him again. If I don't hear from him, I don't care. I I think that that I think that is kind of your slow burn. If you went out again and you were just a little more curious, which was the big word in our episode with Demona. Yeah, yeah, her favorite word, I guess, and I love it too. Curiosity. I I, I think you're right. I think that, and again, I'm also happy for this listener, and great that she, you know, ended up going out with this guy for a while, and maybe that first guy wouldn't have worked out. But I agree. I think that slow burn. There's the word slows in there for a reason. Yep. Like it's not a one day thing. I am actually experiencing attraction growing with Dr. Laundry. Which is great. I feel like regardless of what your attraction level is up top, it should grow. Yeah. Because we've all had it grow in the opposite direction <laughs> on date number two. 100%. Where you're like, like, you're like, what happened on date number one? I'm, I'm not into this anymore now. What happened? <laughs> That's so happened to me. But like on our first date, the backpat incident that was heard around the world, mm-hmm. um, I did not want to kiss him. Not that I didn't think he was attractive. I, I did. But I was not there. Like I was like, I think I can be attracted to this guy. He's a very attractive guy. Right. But I'm not feeling the vibe in this moment. And I have felt that vibe on first date. So like that's not just like a an always thing. Second date was definitely feeling it more. Like especially when we were like walking to the subway and we were really cold and I was like leaning into him and I'm like, oh, like I'm feeling this. And when we were across that subway platform, I was like, damn it, I want to kiss him. Yeah, there you go. But it should be growing. So, Either way, it yeah. should be growing. You know? And I'm not, saying, but, I'm not saying this girl was wrong whatsoever. But I'm like, the slow burn, you have to give the slow burn a chance to slow burn. You it's, know? it's slow. It needs a you second. Know, that's, slow burn isn't first date. Slow burn is increasing with each date. I agree. In my, in my, as my theory. My theory states. But that being said, but, do really appreciate getting this update. And here, here to more making out in 2024. On to our guest. You might have seen her on, what, Drew Barrymore show. She's been on everything. Today's show, Good Morning America. She's been in the the dating coaching game, dating advice game for a very long time. And she has a new book out called F, The Fairy Tale. Let's get to our guest, Demona Hoffman, everyone. Let's get to Demona. Listen up, guys. If you haven't heard yet, we're coming to the DC Comedy Loft for another live podcast Thursday, March 21st. Get your tickets. We are... I think over halfway sold out already. Well over halfway sold out. So get your tickets. If you want to come experience some magic live, we want to meet you. We want to talk to you. We're going to have so much fun. And it's also Allie's birthday that week. It is my birthday that week. So, and my mom might be there. I'm excited. You can go to findingmrhyde.com slash live to find an easy link also in our bios to get those tickets. And we are going to have an after party afterwards where we can really meet and greet, talk to everybody somewhere in the area. Yeah. So make sure you come. DC Comedy Loft, Thursday, March 21st. And if you want to check out some stand-up, I'm going to be there all weekend. So Friday and that Saturday, I'll be doing stand-up shows. Start swiping on Hinge. Bring a date. Have a good time. And you'll, you can come and meet Allie's mom, which we still have some spots left on our Portugal trip. And a little update on that. A few of you reached out to us about hey, I want to come either, unfortunately, I don't have my mom anymore, or I want to come with my aunt, I want to come with my sister, I just want to come with a friend. The trip is officially open to anybody that would like to come, as long as you don't mind. Half the trip being moms and daughter combos. Everybody's excited to come. Doesn't matter. You are welcome to join. 
travel with us. It's going to be so, so fun. You can also check that out at findingmrheight.com slash podcast. If you have any questions about it, feel free to reach out. We're happy to answer anything. We're just so excited to be there with our moms and with you. Yep. Next October, October 4th through 10th. Check it out. Come travel with us too. We are back with Demona. Hi, Demona. Welcome to Finding Mr. Hyde, the podcast. I am so happy to be here. We're thrilled. <laughs> yeah, thank you for joining us all the way from the West Coast. I almost said East Coast. West Coast. We are on West the East Coast. <laughs> West Coast, coming on in. Um, you have been on one hell of a press tour, so we are so excited we got to have some of your time to be a part of it. Oh, this was one of my dream podcasts, actually. So yeah. this is sort of like the pinnacle right now. Oh my gosh. We we love that. I'm obsessed with your advice. So I've been following you for a long time. Also, huge fan of Drew Barrymore. So originally like was so excited when you guys got together and it's just it's all it's all coming together right here in this virtual room. Full circle moment. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you haven't heard yet, Demona has a new book out called F the Fairy Tale. And here it is on video if you guys are watching the video with us. F the Fairy Tale. She sent us an early copy. So we got a little little sneak peek to dive in and help us come up with uh, some questions for Demona. But before we dive into your new book, I guess how did you how did you get into the dating space? What brought you here? What's what's your little story you want to share with everybody? Not little, sorry, huge. <laughs> I meant huge condensed. Story. I meant condensed. Like, how much time do been, we have? <laughs> you've been in the dating coaching game what 15, 17 years? Seventeen Long years, time? yeah. 17, I, and yeah. I, it started quite by accident, as it always does. I think I was working as a casting director in television, and I found that there were really talented actors that just didn't know what to do to get noticed by someone like me. And so I would teach these classes for actors in marketing and having headshots that would tell their story, that would stand out from a crowd. And I was online dating at the time, and I realized the similarity between a headshot and a profile photo and a first date and an audition. So once I realized that I had this sort of hidden secret superpower for online dating and marketing, and this is before anybody was talking about like social media, personal brand, any of this, Um, This was just something that I identified was a skill I had built in my professional life that then ended up helping me meet the man who I've now been married to for 16 years. So once I did that, people came to me and they were like, well, yeah, I tried online dating. It didn't work or isn't online dating for weirdos or, you know, whatever they were thinking at the time. I started originally writing dating profiles and then Mm. it kind of grew from there where I found that I needed I needed more skills and more certifications and and to be able to offer support to people throughout the entire process because as you both know the profile is just the start getting getting m- matching is just the beginning but then there's this whole other process that happens after that yeah it's it's interesting you bring up one of the things I wanted to ask you about you bring up how long you've been doing this something that I thought was really interesting that I've heard you talk about before is how much the technology has changed and yet still feels like it's not changing quickly enough for how fast society is changing, how fast people's behaviors are changing. I would love to hear about kind of your thoughts on being in online dating and now app dating for so long. Like what what has that looked like? Yeah, there have been a lot of changes. And it's funny because online dating was really static for a long time. Um, until 
Tinder really disrupted the process of online dating. And so for any of your listeners that are like, I thought that online dating started with Tinder. No, friends. <laughs> <laughs> it was already going on for like more than 10 years at that point. But it was a really different model. It was free to join, pay to communicate. And interestingly, now, because Tinder was free, it, it literally it changed the entire game because then the expectation became, well, dating apps are free and it should be free to, quote, meet somebody, which is like, mm -hmm. obviously, no business is free. No service is right? free. Okay. Mm -hmm. We can unpack that later. But that really brought a lot more people into online dating who otherwise would not have considered it before because they're like, oh, it's free. I can just like link it up with my, I think at that time it was like Facebook and then yep. later Instagram yeah. and just pull some photos that I've already posted. And it's really easy to create a dating profile. I, I, I won't bore, I tell the story in F the fairy tale about the, the, the laboriousness. Is that a word? I don't know how difficult it was to get online when I originally started online dating and the process that you had to go through to scan your dating profile photos. So the barrier mm -hmm. for entry was really high and that meant that the intent of everyone was really high. So mm -hmm. now the barrier for entry is really low. We have critical mass and everybody's there, but not everybody is there for the same reasons. And I think that is what is causing so much frustration and burnout and dissonance in dating today. I'm not blaming Tinder. I'm just saying the, the, <laughs> the We can blame Tinder. <laughs> No, I, I really, I ultimately I may, I may get some, some heat for this, but ultimately I think dating apps are for the good of daters, ultimately, especially for the good of women that we have more options and we have more choice and we want to complain about them. But I, I still remember the olden times and how much effort it actually took to get a date when you had to do it all analog. But I don't know. What are you, what are your thoughts on that? I agree. I I like dating apps. I think yeah. I think a lot of burnout comes from when if that's all you're using and yeah. you're just constantly on the apps and you're constantly in this feedback loop. It can often be a negative feedback loop and you're not doing anything else in dating. I understand how it can feel like the app's fault and like the apps are a wasteland. Yeah. Yeah, and I I have always said that Dating apps should be a part of your dating toolbox. They're the most powerful tool in your dating toolbox, but they're not everything. And I really look at dating as a set of learned skills. Like we have all been sold a bill of goods. Like we're supposed to just know how to attract someone. We're supposed to know how to, how to, you know, accelerate the, the connection from first date to the altar or whatever it is that your goal is. And like, there really hasn't been a manual for this. Certainly not in how to do it in the modern context. And so I really, like I say on Dates and Mates all the time, you just need to look at this as a process of skill building and learning this new skill of dating. And then now there are different steps within that process that didn't exist before, like texting. Like now you match on Tinder, what happens? You end up in, in the message queue, in the DMs. And that process of getting from match to date is a new, very new part of dating that we need to build skills around for sure. Yeah. I think anything in life, there's good to it and there's bad to it is kind of how I feel about dating apps. Like it is a business. I do think they design it to try to keep you on it more. Like the fact that you open your app 
and it doesn't open to your new messages first. It opens to here's more people, swipe, browse, like, and that's easier to do to swipe than to start conversations with people like energy wise, you know, but I, I think it's that. And also sometimes it could feel just like oversaturation of people, you Mm -hmm. know, and that's the common complaint we hear city versus suburbs city. It's like, well, the plus side is I never run out. And the suburb side is, well, the downside is I run out of people very quickly. (laughs) So it kind of can feel overwhelming, like a combination of everything. And I agree with Allie. Like if you're only doing dating apps, it gets very tiresome. Yeah. And again, if we're looking at it as skill building, it can be a practice ground. Like I found when I was online dating, I, I became better at meeting people everywhere I went because I had built that skill through online dating of being able to connect to a stranger, having better conversation skills and all of those things. And you're right, Erica, it is, I think everything is sort of a double-edged sword. And what I say is um, dating apps, like a lot of technology, they're an amplifier. So they're going to amplify your, your greatest fears. They're going to amplify your drive to have more matches like that there is something that happens chemically when we get that that match notification when we get that message in our inbox we really fuel off of that and i i don't discount also that social media has grown in the same time that dating apps have grown and i think they have had as much of an effect on the way that we interact and on the quote courtship experience as dating apps have. When we do ask many things, one of the questions we often get is about people asking for social media while messaging on dating apps. Like so many people, it seems like this is happening more that men are asking women to do this than the reverse, but that a lot of people are trying to move from one app to another. They're like, we're on Bumble, we're on Hinge, wherever we're matching, let's talk on Instagram. A- and our listeners are like, but why? Like we're we're in this app. Well, I think you know the why, but what I would say is it feels like a progression. So there's this fear. Again, it's an amplifier. There's a fear that if we stay on the app, she might meet somebody else and I don't have her full attention. So if I get her number and start texting her, if I move to social media or we move to, God forbid, WhatsApp, then we <laughs> the, the their tagline should be the communication app preferred by scammers oh everywhere. I don't, um, <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a good outcome from somebody who wanted to move to WhatsApp. Ain't that the truth? I mean, Tinder Publicist. Swindler is there. Yeah, Catfish are there. Uh, yeah, all of that. So that feels like a progression, though. It's like almost getting permission to move to the next phase. It's happening for that reason. It's also happening because, and I think this is happening more with, you're seeing it more with men than women, is that there's this feeling of, I'm not really seeing the real person here. Mm -hmm. So if, Mm -hmm. if I need to fact check before I make the investment or before I take her out, I need to make sure that I understand what she really looks like. Like some people's dating apps are too curated for them to be able to develop a full idea of who you are. Read what you actually look like in a full body shot. I, I mean, I, I, I hope that's not cynical, but I think it's, I think no, it's, it's not I think you're right. I, think I, you're I, right. I thought that, I thought you were going to say a third thing of like, that's a lazy person. That's just going to hit you up last minute when you pop up, when it's convenient for them. 
And it's like them not really making the effort thinking of you in that way. That's what I've found from when guys try to get my Instagram. It's mm, like, oh, yeah. when I just pop up and it's like, oh, I see you're out already. How about you meet me right now? You're already out. Or where are you? I'll just come to that bar. And it's very lazy is more my impression of the uh, Instagram ask personally. Yeah, That's I've never I've never had somebody ask for my Instagram. First of all, I don't give it to them. So like I, it's been a long time since I've given it to them. But I've never had somebody ask for my Instagram and then be like, and now I'm going to be very proactive about taking you out on a date using Instagram. Like that's the, yes. like that's never exactly. that's never really happened. It's more mm-hmm. like I am going to lurk in your story views forever. Forever. I'm just going to send you emojis. That's your life. Yep, fire emojis about once a fire. week. There you go. Oh gosh. Um that's very real and very relatable, but I love something you just said. You probably didn't realize you said it, Allie. You said I don't give it to them. And a lot of times what I hear from my dates and mates listeners is like, well, how do I, what do I do if somebody asked me for this and I don't want to give it to them? What do I do? Like there's this feeling of I have to do it because they asked me. And sometimes folks struggle with the right language to be able to politely decline a request like that. So what do you specifically say? When you get that request? I usually say, so disclaimer, I do have a personal Instagram that I've had since Instagram's inception that is not Finding Mr. Height. So like, it's not, the reason I don't give it to them is not because of like this platform. I have that like personal one. I usually say that I keep my Instagram followers to friends and family or like people that I actually know. What I will offer them, my account is private. What I will offer them is I'll say like, if you want to make sure I'm a real person, here's the handle. I'm not going to accept your follower request, though. <laughs> you can, you can private, verify yeah. that I exist. Mm-hmm. And I have an Instagram. I'm a real person. I'm not a bot. I have a little profile picture. You can see people follow me. But you won't be one of them. <laughs> I love how you said that. <laughs> I don't say it like that to them. But. And then it's a challenge. They're like, oh, I'm going to be, though. <laughs> well, I have found I have found that when I say – I really keep my inst- I really keep my Instagram to people that I've met in real life. They're like, "Well, let's meet in real life." I like that. That yeah. was good. See? See? You're doing the things. <laughs> <laughs> Erica, do people ask you that? Yeah, I just don't give it to them. Yeah. <laughs> I just, just say, ignore oh, I don't I just say, "Oh, I don't give out my Instagram till I meet somebody at least." That's it. That works too. Yeah, I'm just like, mm, no. But the other thing is, um, you know, I'm a comedian. If you just search Erica Comedian, you'll find me. Like, I'm not I'm hard there. to find, you know? Like, But I'm just like, yeah, dude, I'm not, like, same thing. It's the same vibe as you. It's just like, I'm not going to be communicating with you through this thing. But I think like, we even need to reframe, because I know also we kind of want to, to check them out too, but sometimes it takes all of the air and excitement out of the uh, first date. Because you, it's like you've already, you've discovered all this information about them. And so then you're like hiding that, I, like, I've, I've seen this weird picture of you that, <laughs> that I have questions about. Or like, wait, who did you vote for? I'm really confused. <laughs> and then you, you don't have as much discovery on the first date. Like, I'm all about maintaining as much, like, excitement and discovery when you actually have that in-person connection as you can. Yeah, I was going to say there's people I love, but I find 
their social media annoying half the time. Like, sure. it, you know, I feel like it's just more likely to turn you off than turn you on, whatever anybody's doing on social media. Well, so many like, things that we do yeah. prior to the date. I feel like we are often looking for red flags. If you're looking for a red flag, honey, you're going to find it. Oh, you'll you find it. <laughs> we got to look for green <laughs> flags, right? So one thing that I've found with like my friends that have had success from online dating, it feels like two different roads. It either feels like someone that treated it like a job and was going on two, three dates a week, like wherever they could fit them in, just like boom, boom, boom. I'm just going to meet as many people as possible, like a hundred dates till they found whoever their person was. Or there's the other side that I almost call the luck side. It's like, I just got on this app. I went on like six dates. I met this guy. He's my boyfriend. And what makes me think of this is there was a section in your book that talked about luck and how often people see themselves as lucky or unlucky. And a lot of times we are doing that in dating. And I feel like personally, sometimes I feel that too, thinking like, man, I'm doing all the stuff. I'm on the app. I'm going to speed dating. I'm going to this event. I'm approaching people in public. And it's hard to be like, I feel like I'm doing all the things, but nothing's aligning. And then you see someone who's like single for five minutes, all of a sudden, boom, in another relationship. And it's hard to think like, what is with my luck? Or now I just feel like dating is luck. You know, I don't know if that makes any sense. But oh, it does. I mean, that's why I included it in the book. Right. Um, And I think to even get to the luck, we have to back up to the first chapter, which is all about mindset and really having clarity of however you're approaching dating, doing it mindfully. So what the commonality of the two stories that you told me is likely that the person had a clear mindset going into it. So either like, oh, I'm going to try, I'm going to try this out and see, see what happens, but I'm going to have a positive attitude about it, or I'm going to just be open to what happens. I, I mean, I hear occasionally those stories too of like, then they were my second date. But more often when that happens to people in my program, it's because they've done so much of the mindset work of really having absolute clarity on what they're looking for and being able to recognize it when they see it. And that's really the core of luck is the belief that that you're lucky and also being being observant so that you can see those when those signs, those moments, those opportunities present yourself. But more of my clients have been in that first group where it's like, I'm going to date like it's my job and get that clarity, that absolute clarity through the experience of dating. But I know that I'm going to have to kiss some frogs. You know, I'm going to have to go through this experience of you know, you know, some of them are cute frogs and like they're not they're not all bad frogs. They're just not your frog. They're just not your prince. And sometimes it does it does take a while and the the timelines can be can be different and locations can be different. Like people will always ask me, "Well, what's the best dating app for where where I for for a person this age?" And I'm like, "There's so many other factors, right? Yeah. Like where you are, what you're looking for." So that's what I really try to help people dial in and really date from a strategic and clear point of view. Yeah, we just had a live show and this girl came up to me afterwards, was talking to me and she so excitedly said, I have to share with you, I just went on my 100th first date of the past three years and was pumped. And my first thought was, oh my God, she's so excited to say that. 
Yeah. Like I was stunned that she was so excited. She was like, started listening to the pod. It made me be like, I got to put myself out there. I just went on a hundred dates. Isn't that awesome? And I was like, yeah, girl, good for you. You know, but I was thinking to myself, I was like, wow, what? I, I don't think I've ever heard someone say a hundred dates that positively, honestly. Wow. That is, that is a feat. A hundred dates is not, is not easy, but it's funny. That reminds me of a, a client story that's not in the book, but um, I had a, a male client I was working with and he ended up meeting his wife online and she was doing a hundred date challenge for herself. And this is the crazy thing about it. She decided she was going to do it like almost like an experiment where she changed nothing but the guy. She wore the same outfit, same outfit, went to the same place, did all like met from the same same date, literally did the same thing. And she was like, then I will know the the only variable changing is the man. And I'm proud to say my client was number 97. (laughs) She didn't make it to 100. And I think there's a reason that somebody who was working with me or, you know, working with a dating coach and knew how to show up in a different way hit different when um, she was doing her little her little process. (laughs) That is very interesting. I'm like, does she work in the science field? That's like... (laughs) pristine experiment interestingly she's a divorced lawyer (laughs) oh okay maybe it's just a time thing no energy wasted on time planning time thinking yeah and she's seen like the outcome of what the the wrong choices (laughs) have led to so she was motivated to make the right choice well speaking of mindset in the beginning of the book when you're talking about mindset you talk about your four dating myths that you have and i'm curious to know how those came to be, you know, in your mind and in in your practice? And, you know, were there sort of drawing from your personal dating experience or is this really just things you're seeing? And so originally, I'll be honest, I wanted to have like 20 myths because I was like, these are all of the (laughs) things that people write into dates and mates about or come to me for coaching on. Mm -hmm. Um, And my editor was like, maybe we can narrow it down a little bit. And so (laughs) (laughs) we identified, what, what are the the four big ones. And I really look at dating sort of as a, as a loop, as a continuum. And there are different phases that I know you go through. There's the mindset phase of preparing, preparing to date. And then there's the search, how you find the people to date. Then there's the actual date. And then there's the future. And that's everything that comes after like date two or date three. And I really dove into a lot of the questions that I've gotten on Dates and Mates and for my LA Times column about what were the questions that came up around each of those four phases. And so that's how I identified those four myths, the, the, the list myth, the rules myth, the chemistry myth, and the soulmate myth. So when you were dating, I know you mentioned that you met your now husband online dating and you were going through, did you find yourself at that time, I assume previous to creating these myths, did you find yourself falling into one or more multiple of them? Oh, honey, I've had all the myths. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I do this work, because I was really a total love cynic. I did not think it was going to happen for me. I never had. Uh, I had to ask all my dates to prom. I had to, like, club them over the head and drag them home. You think I'm joking. No, <laughs> I didn't club them over the head. But I did, I did have to, um, you know, I, I grew up. I'm black and Jewish and short with curly hair. Like I 
did not fall into the Midwestern standard of beauty where I grew up. Mm. And um, that made me feel really different. That made me feel very much othered in dating. And like, um, it just wasn't going, going to happen for me the way it happened for my, you know, blonde haired, blue eyed, tall, beautiful, you know, friends. And um, it really was a process that I was going through working with a coach that helped me get comfortable in my own skin and realize those things that made me feel different, that made me feel othered, were actually the things that made me unique and that to the right person would make me more interesting or would make me relatable or would make them feel like they had a connection to me. And that's ultimately what happened. I love that. We're doing, uh, we're actually doing a race and dating episode in a few weeks about like our first kickoff. It's going to be about my experience. And you're like, literally, we can just skip the intro of the episode because it'll just be what you just said. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. And I've written a lot about race and dating. Like, oh, I had an article in the Washington Post that went viral. Um, in June of 2020, I don't know if y'all remember. Oh, yeah, there was some stuff happening. Going on, but it mm-hmm. was a heightened time. And I just led people through. So I felt like um, we were <laughs> we were examining our feelings about race publicly in a big way. And yet in dating, I felt like everybody kind of got a pass. Like, oh, but that's just my preference. That's just my dating preference. That's just what I'm attracted to. And it really made me curious as someone who not only comes from a multicultural background, but like my my sister-in-law is Indian American. My stepmother is Mexican American. Like my world is very, very diverse. And I feel like my my identity is really shaped by that. And my worldview is is enriched by having access to all of these different worlds. And, you know, this is something that's like sort of unique for a a Western audience. I know this is not the case for everyone listening everywhere, but I thought it was really important to shine a light on that and how some of these quote preferences get hardwired. And we don't, we're not even really aware. We just continue to play out this, this preference but it's really sometimes at its core deeply ingrained by our societal beliefs, our family of origin, and sometimes doesn't actually even relate to the way that we live our lives, our daily lives, or what actually would make us feel most fulfilled in a relationship. So I kind of ask people to just like examine that. Um, <laughn> and some people didn't want to examine that or felt very finger pointed at, which I was not doing. I was just like, let's just, let's do the five whys. Let's just ask if you've never dated somebody of a particular race or you only date people of your race or, you know, and I wasn't even like pointing fingers at any particular race. I'm like, let's just ask why and then why and then why and then why and then we can get to the root and you can decide if that aligns with your, your personal beliefs or not. And I had a lot of people, as many people as that said they didn't like it, I had a lot of people writing to me that said from just from reading 
that article, it changed the way that they dated. Like they unchecked certain boxes on dating apps or they showed up differently or engaged with different people. And that's all I'm trying to get people to do at any time with any of these methods. Just like ask yourself, what if? What if that wasn't true? How would your life be different and how would you uh, engage differently? Yeah, I find myself doing similar things with other preferences with people when I work with people. Like, for example, a lot of people will come in saying, well, they have to have a college education. And my first question is, well, why? And then why that? And then why that? Like exactly like you said. And a lot of times at the end of the day, we get to, oh, I guess maybe that's not the thing I was actually trying to solve for. Yeah. I had that on my list. I will I will be honest. That was like the one thing. So I give my clients three must-haves and one deal breaker. Now, I will say my husband is highly educated it is one of the things I found most attractive about him. But from the other side, I can say, I don't know that I needed to have the emphasis that I did on a certain level of education. And this is also kind of an American thing. Like I've, I've talked with uh, one of my friends who's a dating coach in the UK with, with um, Paul Brunson. I don't know if y'all know oh, him. Oh, I've heard but- of him. Oh, yeah. yeah. He he hosts um, Married at First Sight in the UK. And he was saying that like in the UK, blue collar is very attractive. Like they have a steady, reliable job. A lot of times they're entrepreneurs. They're making good money. They're great providers. They're family men. And in the UK, women are like, oh, yes, blue collar job in the U- in the in the United States. I I I. I was like helping out a guy who was a plumber who was super cute, by the way. But he was like, as soon as women find out I'm a plumber, they're like, yeah, no, thank you. Why? Why is that? Mm. And I I just covered a story actually um, on Dates and Mates of a listener who was saying she'd heard me say something like that. And she expanded her her criteria and she ended up in a relationship with a blue collar guy. They just had a baby. He's like four months old. And she's like, she's got a master's degree. She's, she's a high earner. And now they have a kid and he's the primary caretaker for the kid. He wants to be a stay at home dad. So when we, we, we start dating aspirationally, right. And we, we, we think, oh, I've, I've worked so hard to create all of these things. So I need somebody that's at my level or higher. Well, women are earning advanced degrees at higher levels much higher levels than men now. So we're kind of pricing ourselves out of the market. And we're also not really even thinking when we go back to mindset about what does that look like when you play it forward? Because it's like if my if my listener is working 60 hours a week and she's managing this office and she she has this kid and she has a, another a partner who's doing the same thing, who's taking care of the house? Who's taking care of the baby? <laughs> There's a reason that that men had housewives for so long. I really need one myself. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah. we haven't really figured out how does that how does that even add up to the life that we're actually trying to build. Man, so many things you said. First of all, if you scoff at a plumber, I'm like you clearly have never had to play, pay a plumber yourself, okay? <laughs> right. They're doing all right, okay? It's like, you know, you're like $100 for those 10 seconds. They're like, yep. You're like, okay. That's <laughs> right. And you can't say shit about anything. it. I can't, I can't I fix know. it. I have to pay, I have to pay you. I don't know if I'm getting ripped off or not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust whoever the plumber is. You know, I'm not an expert. So right. uh, if you don't mind, I wanted to bring something a little bit back to what you were talking about, about race, because yeah. what I really liked about your book is I feel like it is one of the only dating books that even 
touches on it. It does feel like the one topic that easily just gets skimmed over and so many other things. And so you you yourself also, for those who don't know, are in an interracial marriage, right? Your husband is Jewish, correct? Yeah. So yeah, my husband is um, half Jew. We are both half Jewish. So I guess we're an interracial because I'm being interracial myself. I guess everyone, anyone I would do. I've said that. I'm like, no matter what happens, in, unless I marry my brother, I will be in an, an interracial relationship. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's also in the perception of like, you look at me and you very much perceive me as a brown person. You might not know what category I fit into. Like maybe she's Puerto Rican. Maybe she's Dominican. You probably won't guess black and Jewish, but here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So one thing I like that you talked about is a lot of times people feel certain family pressures from whatever culture or background they're from. And there's this pressure like, oh, you can date whoever you want. But oh, when it comes to marriage, you should like stick within whatever your own culture is or your own race is or your own religion. And I'm curious, when people talk about like the family pressures and expectations of marrying within a certain race, what advice do you have for people that are currently dealing with that? Because I think that's so hard to fight for a lot of people. Yeah, it's very real. Um, My first writing job, I should say, was for J-Date. So I got a lot of very well-intentioned Jewish mothers writing to me. And I would always say, they'd say, well, can you, can you coach my son? He's, I really need him to, you know, to meet a nice Jewish girl. He's about 28 and it's the time and I want grandkids (laughs) and whatever. And I'd say, sure. Um, He has to contact me though. If he contacts me, I will coach him. And Mm, I think yeah, of all those times, maybe one of them actually followed through because that wasn't their, they didn't have the same problem that their parents perceived them to have. And it's, it's, it's never something where I, I'm never going to say like, well, you got to date outside of your race or your religion just because that's the thing to do. It's always a conversation But I do ask you to just question, like, is this belief your belief? Is this your parents' belief? Is this society's belief? Or or does this align with the way way you live your life and how you, you want to live your life and your relationship in the future? And sometimes we unpack that and we find, like, I tell the story in a book of a client I had who was Indian American and her her relationship with her father was really important. She had dated non-Indian men and it really damaged her relationship with her family. And she was like, I'm, I'm at a time in my life where I realized this relationship with my dad is more important to me than finding the perfect person that of any race, of, of, of any religion, of any, of any cultural or ethnic background. So we focused in our search just on Indian men for her because that spoke to the core value of who she was and how she wanted to live her life. And we found that guy. We found a guy. They didn't stay together and then she ended up dating racism. <laughs> but it's like, again, it's, a, it's an experience. It's a, dating, it's a dating process that is helping us inform um, our perspective. Yeah, that I, I like that kind of curiosity, I think, that you bring to it, that it doesn't feel 
judgy. It doesn't feel like you should do this, but it's like, get curious with yourself. Yes. Curiosity is my favorite word, Allie. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. Um, And I think it takes a lot of the pressure off of the dating experience as well. We come to the date with so much, so much expectation, so much anticipation. And when we do that, it really sometimes gets in the way of us being able to connect with a person who is right there in front of us. And if we can stay more in the moment, and if we can be led by curiosity and not the chemistry myth, where it's just like, okay, I'm curious enough at the end of the first date to spend another date with this person. I'm curious enough at the end of the second date to spend another date with this person. And then, you know, if you don't get to the, if you get to the third date and you don't have like, huh, I want to kiss this person, what would this be like? If you're not having those kind of feelings, then you've, you've done your process. But if we're just always chasing chemistry, that's something that I see a lot is that we're chasing this nebulous feeling of chemistry and we're discarding a lot of options just right after the first date. Are you seeing this too? Yeah, absolutely. Do you think it's worse than like ever before or is it just me? (laughs) I don't know. I think one thing that I do wish, I wish that men were internalizing the advice that you're saying, men who date women specifically, were internalizing the advice that you're saying in a way that I think a lot of women are. Because I think I see a lot of women, especially our audience, dating in the way you're talking about. giving sec- Making a, the bar for a second date low. Like the bar for a second date is, do I want to spend more time with this person? Not, are there fireworks? Mm-hmm. You know, being curious about maybe chemistry can grow, maybe, you know, the spark can grow, the slow burn. I haven't experienced as many men who date women talking about dating in that way. And I think that that can get frustrating for the women on the other side. So as a personal example, I went on a first date last weekend with a guy who sounded exactly like what you're saying. We had a great conversation. I wanted to get to know him more. We had a lot in common. I thought we had aligned values, et cetera. I wasn't super attracted to him off the jump, but I'm like, oh, maybe, like, maybe I could get there, right? He texted me saying he didn't feel the spark. Mm-hmm. And thus we didn't go out again. And that's why you should send him a copy of F the Fairy Tale. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have I have a second one since I went to that event of yours. So maybe, yeah. maybe I'll just I'll just slide like, it in there. Totally understand. Here you go. This is what Demona Here, Hoffman says about this part. Here's um, yeah, you know, I can't, I can't help all the people all the time. But you're, you're right. I do see men dating, and not just men dating women. Men dating in general do are are, and some of this is just like biology. They're wired more visually than mm-hmm. women tend to be, but. I usually say, like, if if they don't find you attractive, like, you're probably not even going to get to that, get there, right? You're not even on the date in the first place. You're not on the date. Whereas yeah. I, with women, usually they'll be like, well, I don't know. I mean, I like his um, shirt. <laughs> 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 I'm going to give him the benefit. I, I mean, you laugh, but, like, seriously, it's like, well, I like his style. So, you know, we'll kind of talk ourselves into it and then it can develop more for us because we, we 
do tend to need more of the emotional connection. Now, and I'm speaking in huge generalizations, but I'm also speaking from a researched point of view of human behavior. And we're really desperately trying to rewire all of this and be like, that's not true. I can have sex like a man. I'm not like that. And we're really kind of working against our biology. And believe me, as a feminist dating coach, I would love I would love for it to just not be true. (laughs) I would love that more than anything. However, we're we just haven't really evolved to that point yet. But it's funny that you bring that up because um I was talking to the podcaster Dan Savage and you know he mostly talks to gay men and he was like I think every gay man needs this book too because they need to be practicing the slow love and the three date rule. Mm. Um because it's it's really actually the dynamic can be flipped for a lot of my gay clients. They're like it has to start with the physical and then we see if the rest develops. But again, like everything else that we've been talking about, the question to start with is what if? What if that wasn't true? And what if you started it a different way? Would you get a different outcome? Yeah. I mean, men uh, and men that I talk to just like honestly can't even wrap their head around the concept. And it's frustrating that they'll be like, Fair. so you weren't super attracted to him the first date, but you're going on a second date? And you're like, well, yeah. And they're like, Why? Like, why would you even consider doing that? And I'm like, because attraction can grow, but they just, they don't believe they, it. To they be can't true. wrap their head around it. They can't. Like, I they wanted to, to respond curi- to. You have to have curiosity though, Erica, right? You know, so it's like, it's not that there's no attraction. It's that maybe the physical attraction is a little lower, but the, the intellectual or emotional or, you know, that you're attracted to something else. Which also, and this is something I feel like there isn't an answer to, but I've been kind of debating where it's like. We always say attraction can go, right? Especially from some type of curiosity, some type of chemistry, whatever it is about that person. And so it's interesting when it comes to like race and dating, a lot of times people will write off whatever it is. They'll be like, oh, let's say I'm not attracted to Asian guys. But then that same person will be going on a date with say a white person that they go, well, I am not physically attracted to him, but I believe it can grow. And so then the question's like, so why do we only believe that for one race of people? And a lot of times we're not giving another chance to someone else for it to grow just because they're in a category we've deemed not attracted to us for whatever reason. Mm. And I don't feel you like there's an answer, but it's it's just very interesting to be like, I feel like a lot of people are pushing themselves to go on dates, second dates, third dates, like, all right, maybe that attraction will be there this date. But then at the same time, minimizing like a lot of preferences in that category. So I don't know. It's something that like I, I've been thinking about since I read your book where it's like, yeah. If we believe attraction can grow, why why are we already cutting down our pool and not giving attraction a chance to grow with different kinds of people? It, you yeah, you hit on a lot of very interesting interesting themes and I I would say also that through this experience of dating, we also we grow. We grow and our worldview and our understanding of self expands and we also develop new attractions. Like, you know, we're always developing new neural pathways. And so what's happening if you are open to dating somebody different than your quote type, which is a trend that we're actually seeing on the dating apps, um, you know, having worked with OkCupid behind the scenes, I can see the, the preferences and the behaviors through the matching questions and the way people are interacting with the app. And we started seeing last year that a lot of people were like, 
dating against type, like deliberately. And there was some new research also from Bumble and Tinder both said that that was a big theme of 2023. So people are definitely examining this more than they have been in recent years. But it's that experience of going through it that may develop a new neural pathway. And we tend to have attraction to what's familiar to us. So it may be from a race standpoint, maybe from an education standpoint, maybe just cultural. I don't know, like in LA, it's like, oh, well, you live on the West side and I live on the West side. So I couldn't not, I could never date an East sider. That's like a whole different culture and world plus the drive. But we start to tell ourselves stories to make it all fit. And as we experience different people in different ways, the story starts to change and evolve. And that's what keeps me really interested in this work and what really inspired me to write F the Fairy Tale to get people to start to rewrite some of these stories for themselves. Yeah. I, I love the idea of the like stories that we're telling ourselves, I think. And we'll get into more about this in, in our upcoming episode about like my journey. But that's something that I've really unpacked in therapy is why historically in my life, I've dated mostly white men. I grew up in mostly white spaces, yeah, like exclusively, not mostly, exclusively white spaces. And so to your point about the familiarity of that, also, I my dad was black and he died. And so there's like uh, abandonment stuff there. And it, this is like a lot of stuff that I've unpacked in therapy and I continue to work through, but that curiosity has been so important of like, Okay, I don't want to I'm not going to judge myself for this. I'm going to think about why. Like why has this happened and what can I try to do to push myself out of that and see how that feels. And like, oh, okay, like this wasn't this is just something that I'm familiar with and therefore happened because I didn't intentionally set out for it to not. Yeah. Yeah, and especially if you are in a sort of homogenous space, you you sort of have to seek out something different like it's an extra effort it's an extra step because if you're already surrounded by one pool the idea of dating in a different pool from any of these factors whether it's race or anything else it does feel a little overwhelming it is a it it does require some figuring out and some effort and that can that can be more than some people are willing to do with their dating process. But I think it's really exciting that you're asking some of those questions that you're going through. And just to speak on therapy briefly, because a lot of people are like, I don't understand, like dating coaching. I mean, I know you coach too, but like, wait, so you're a therapist? No, I'm not a therapist. I specifically have been certified and trained in in life coaching and then specifically in dating coaching. This is my life's work. And through this experience, we can have a lot of realizations, but it sure it sure as hell helps. <laughs> if you've done some of the work in therapy, I think everyone can benefit from working with a qualified therapeutic professional, therapist, counselor, somebody, somebody that's not your friend group <laughs> that can tell can can give you some insights into what some of those layers are that you're already bringing to the table. And things that you might not even realize are impacting dating. Like I didn't realize – I've always been a more anxious person and definitely anxious attachment, et cetera. But I didn't realize how much grief impacted that until I was in therapy. I'm like, oh, I've been bringing my grief into every date I go on actually. 
Wow. That's deep, girl. You're telling me? (laughs) Yeah. And like, that's the thing. We do bring our history to our dates, whether we are willing to talk about it or not. We bring all of our stuff. And that's the thing I love about really dating from a clear and authentic place is that when you bring all your stuff and like the stuff I was saying earlier, the stuff that I thought made me like weird, unusual, outcast, other, it's like, oh, this is a part of the conversation now. Oh, that is interesting. Oh, you want to discuss that with me? You want to figure this out with me? You want to be in the trenches with me? That's what separates the casual dating from the potential for a relationship too. I actually have a question I could ask both of you if you don't mind on this subject. So a lot of my friends um, that are not white often talk about dating people and at some point that person reveals to them like, oh, you are actually the first blank whatever race that I've dated. And my first question is, is that something you want to know if you are dating somebody outside of your race? Or is that information you're like, what am I supposed to do with that? I get this question a lot. Like I hosted a TV show called Hashtag Black Love. That was a spinoff of Married at First Sight. I remember it. I loved that show. Oh, thank you. I've seen clips from that on TikTok. Yeah. What? Oh, my God. I think so. Yeah, someone's resurfacing them, I believe. It's actually, I think it was one of my first um, introductions to you, actually, was that show. Oh, my gosh. Well, wow. That's, you know, it's like you do television and you're like, does anyone, is anyone out there? Did anyone ever <laughs> I was it? there. Um, it was a great show. It was a great show. But this question came up a lot, both on camera and behind the scenes about, I'll, I'm just going to name it also like fetish, I hate saying this word because it's so hard to say, fetishization, fetishization um, of any race, but, you know, particularly a marginalized race. And how much that should play into your decision. Because I think that's kind of underneath what you're asking, Erica. Like, if you haven't dated someone of my of my race, like, is this, like, exotic to you? I don't know if you ever heard that, Allie. Mm-hmm. Like, people would be like, oh, you're so exotic. And like, am I, like, a flower or a fruit or something? Or, like, a rare animal that you've rare never animal. seen before? That's that's where my head goes. True. But I, I really try to meet everyone where they're at and at face value. So I found that sometimes people would just push the whole conversation away of like, oh, well, you haven't dated anyone of my race before. So this must be fetishization or this must like, I'm going to have to explain so much, which honey, you are like, there's a lot. (laughs) And there's still cultural nuances that my, my husband and I are still discussing And that, to me, is interesting. That's what makes our relationship really deep and rich. So personally, I'm not I'm not afraid of that. And whenever people ask me that on Dates and Mates or, you know, when I've heard it from clients, I'm like, maybe you should examine what is coming, what your fears are that's that are coming up around that before you uh, make an assumption that about what that means that they haven't dated someone of your race. But I'm really curious to hear what Allie says. Yeah, it's not the most important for me. In the, This is when it becomes important, when I'm going to meet someone's family. Yeah. This was going to be my second question, but continue. <laughs> I always, if when I'm dating somebody, well, so I've only ever met 
white families. But like in my serious relationships have been with my white men. So like where I'm meeting their families. In those scenarios, I sometimes I had known if they dated somebody of color before, whether it was a black woman or, you know, another minority. But I always made sure to ask, do they know I'm not white? Because I have been in a scenario with one serious ex-boyfriend where they did not know. And they weren't they weren't not okay with it, but they were visibly surprised. And it really impacted my experience, obviously. Mm-hmm. It like really impacted my experience of that meeting because they were so shocked because he had never dated anybody not white before. They were very old school. They weren't from America. So they were also like from a place that wasn't very diverse. So they didn't have that much experience. Ultimately ended up being very loving and accepting and and wonderful. But that first meeting was just so rough that I then started asking that question going forward. And a lot of boyfriends will be like, oh, I haven't mentioned it. But like, I'm like, have they seen a picture? Please send them a picture. Like you don't have to, you don't have yeah. to call it out. You don't have to be like, here's my girlfriend and she's not white. But like, I'd like them to have seen a picture of us just so that yeah. the first time they're finding this out is not when I'm in front of their face. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. It is a different conversation when you start to expand the circle and bring the other people in your life into into the mix. And like, I know of somebody who broke off an engagement because she found that her future family was like a little bit racist and they were like, yeah. not okay with, mm-hmm. <laughs> they were like, they would say they were okay, but then there were just little microaggressions that came up that were just too too much to process. Um, so I do like that idea of just bringing it up when you are meeting the parents. Um, and sometimes also the friends. I mean, I even do this. My husband's a TV writer and he like pitches shows that have people of all backgrounds. And I'm like, I'm like, did you tell him your wife's black? <laughs> and he's like, didn't come up in conversation. Like there was one he was doing that the lead character was black and they were like, you need to have a, um, we need to add another person to the team. Like, and I'm like, they think that you don't know the black voice or like the black experience because they look at you and they're like, here's this like Ivy League white guy from New York, you know? And I'm like, tell him your wife's black. He's like, I don't know how to work that into conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, there's not really a great segue. Yeah. And then his agent did it. And he was like, you know, his wife's black. And they were like, oh, there's always that look. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it 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 never goes away. The really interesting questions started coming up, though, when we had kids. And uh, actually, we were filling out forms for school and it asks you to check race and um my husband's just going through it and then he just checks white and moves on and I went whoa wait 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 wait, what happened (laughs) what's that he said well they're they're three quarters white I said but they're one quarter black and he was like so they're white and I was like oh my gosh how did we get here (laughs) and we're like over a decade in and we're just having this conversation now. So it just, it never ends, but you have to be willing to go through the experience when you are in an interracial relationship of always having that learning in those conversations. 
Yeah. It's interesting that you bring that up because I've talked before about how I am more white than anything else. I'm 50% white, 25% black, and 25% Mexican. I could never say I'm white though. Like people would be real confused. Same. Same. I say I identify totally as, as biracial, as black, and as Jewish, but I will never identify as white. Nope. But according to my husband... Yeah. yeah, like if you if we're looking at the math scientifically, but yeah, yeah it's and then it's, we get into this whole question of are Jews white, and that's a whole different that's, a <laughs> that's, a, topic, that's yeah. for a separate <laughs> separate episode. But yeah, it's complicated. It's been a complicated few years for me, you guys. But I'm just like happy that the conversations are happening because we have to have them. This is what happens when we stuff down the conversations, you know. Yeah, and like Erica said, I was just so excited to reach that part of your book because I truly have not seen that in a dating advice book in that way. I I kind of feel uniquely prepared for better or worse to yeah. have that conversation. Um, and it is something that really has been a part of my practice since the beginning because of the lens that I look through. I've always been unafraid to talk about race and it just seems like now is the right time where we should all be having that conversation. Yeah, obviously I can, you know, only speak from the white perspective over here in this corner. But um, I think what was interesting about your book is it often brings up the question that I think as a white person we ask ourselves is like, is this racist? And so essentially when it comes to something like when I'm dating somebody that's outside of my race and I'm going to introduce them to friends or family, I have that moment like, do I need to alert everyone that the person I'm about to bring is not white? Because if I sit here and say, race doesn't matter to me, it's still like, okay, but is that suddenly, like Ali said, like all of a sudden I'm going to guess who's coming to dinner scenario and it's more just a surprise because it's not assumed that I'm maybe right. dating someone outside my race. It, it, it actually works both ways because I've had to like disclose to my my black friends and family, like, just so you know... <laughs> my husband's white. Like it's, <laughs> I've, I've been called out on podcasts before. They're like, but wait, we didn't know your husband was white. And like that suddenly changes everything that I've said before. And it's like, no, I didn't, I'm not bearing the lead. It's just for me, that's not the primary, that is not <laughs> the primary story, <laughs> but it's, it's definitely in all cultures. I think it's, um, it, especially when we look generationally, the conversation is different. So I get it. <laughs> we might, we might, we might have to bring you back for, for uh, another episode. Cause this was just amazing. This was really awesome. Yeah. And it's so nice. Like we got to actually meet in person and Erica, I can't wait for you to come to LA so I can meet you in person too. Yes, I know. I'll definitely contact you when I'm back out there. I'm here for a couple weeks, but I would love yeah. to see you and meet you. Yes, for sure. So, and thank you so much for coming on and especially tackling a little bit harder of a topic. Uh, we really appreciate it because this has been on our list to start to get into. Thank you for having me. It's, it's, it's really exciting to me to get to have these kind of conversations and to really dive below the surface because that's ultimately what F the Fairy Tale is all about and why I wrote the book to do this self-discovery together. So thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much. And everybody, if you want to check out Demona's podcast, it's called Dates and Mates, wherever you listen to podcasts. And her book, F the Fairy Tale, is available to order. So again, thank you so much. And also you can catch her on the Drew Barrymore show, giving dating advice. Yeah. So 
Thank you again, Demona. And uh, everybody else. We'll talk to you all next week. Bye. See you next week. Bye.